1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. If you have a Bible, we're going to start off in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We don't often have an opportunity to partake of the Lord's Supper and give proper instruction because of time limitations in services. But I thought it would be a good thing, a good thing this evening because the Lord's Supper is all we're doing this evening. Most people don't know, or maybe they haven't read or been taught, the first account of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is in the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians was actually written before Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So this would also be the earliest instruction we have on the Lord's table. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt, there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat, for as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. And of course, times have not changed because the wealthy uh, were and are masters of their own schedule. And so they called the Lord's table or the Lord's supper a feast. And uh, they would have a celebration and they would eat. Well, of course, the wealthy being the Lord of their own schedules, they'd show up early and they'd eat everything and they'd drink everything. And when the poor folk got there, there wasn't much to eat. There was nothing left to drink. But he takes this opportunity really to talk about favoritism. Favoritism is something that we don't really often mention at Faith Christian Center. When I was a young man, I took note of what the book of James had to say about favoritism. I think I have walked a pretty tight line on favoritism. We do not show favoritism at Faith Christian Center. Now, and, and a precious lady came up to us about this time, I think it was a year ago or two years ago, and uh, she said, you know, I was just informed that you wanted me to be the head of the department that I'm serving in. Why would you choose me? It was so sweet. It was so innocent. It was exactly the kind of comment you don't hear in a lot of churches because a lot of churches are filled with demanding personalities. And uh, it was really sweet. It was really refreshing. And we said, well, sister, because you're faithful, we reward faithfulness at Faith Christian Center. And anybody can be faithful. Amen? 
You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be a certain color. You don't have to be born in the USA. Anybody can be faithful. So we don't show favoritism, especially not. <laughs> you know, we just don't do one thing at Faith Christian Center that would get us messed up with the Lord. I'll tell you, that's, that's a good place to begin 2022. Just whatever you find in the Word of God that brings judgment, just stop doing it. Amen. If you want a blessed new year, amen. amen. Verse 23, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The church I grew up in had a table on the floor in front of the pulpit. And I remember that the table had inscribed in the front of it in remembrance of me. So when we receive from the Lord's table, we do this in remembrance of what he did, but we also do this in remembrance of what he said was up ahead of us, time-wise. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, again, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And... You may be new to the church. I see new faces, and you might think, oh, my gosh, they're actually holding church. They're actually doing uh, Christmas songs. They're actually traditional. Let me tell you what. The church in the last 20 years has gotten so modern, it's worthless. Because he says, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. There's nothing spiritual or moral going to happen in anybody's life without acknowledging the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because salvation and the forgiveness of sins requires the shedding of blood. And we have to preach his gospel till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself, not your neighbor. A man ought to, and when it says a man, that means women too. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing, a better word there might be discerning. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body of the Lord, eats and drinks judgment, King James says, damnation on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick or sickly, and a number of you have fallen asleep or died. These are truths from the word of God that people neglect to their own demise. There's a mentality out here that if you make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you're good to go, and it doesn't matter how you live, doesn't matter what you say, doesn't matter what you do. These concepts are destructive. He is a holy God. And he expects us to walk in love one toward another. He says specifically, that is why many among you are weak and sickly and a number of you have died. But then he says, but if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. 
So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further directions. In Matthew 22, Jesus was asked, which is the greatest commandment? Matthew 22, 36, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. All God ever really wanted from man was for man to love him, to love God, and to love his neighbor, to walk in love toward his fellow man. That's it. That's all God really ever wanted. Now, he had to articulate this and break this down in what we call the Ten Commandments <clears throat> because <laughs> they were a stubborn people and they were rebellious. And so he had to enumerate various commandments. But if you think about it, if you're walking in love toward your neighbor, you're not going to bear false witness. If you're walking in love toward your neighbor, you're not going to cover your neighbor's wife. If you're walking in love toward your neighbor, you're not going to steal from your brother. It covers it all. And then look at what Jesus said in John 13, 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. But I, I don't think that that is what would mark the body of Christ in 2021 or in the last, I don't know how many years, how many decades, because it's sad to me, but God's people are more likely to attack God's people than the world is likely to attack God's people. And I've always taken this position, that if someone is winning people to Jesus, and they're not doing it the way I do it, leave them alone. If they're winning people to Jesus, but maybe they're not doing it the way I do it, just leave them alone. And then also say, bless them, Lord, bless them. I mean, if they're winning people to Jesus, amen. And uh, I remember one, one day, this was 35 years back, I was at some kind of an organizational meeting in Dallas, one of those fancy hotels, and I don't know why, but I ended up at a table, it was a table of eight, and I ended up at a table with seven different Southern Baptists. And here we go. And so they're asking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues and laying hands on the sick. And, but I learned a great lesson there that day because that, that particular group, they were curious and they weren't judgmental and uh, I wasn't judgmental, so we all got along. Amen. We don't have to see everything exactly eye to eye. If we believe that Jesus was the Son of God and is the Son of God, if we believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, if we believe that he lived a sinless life, if we believe that he gave his life as a ransom for all mankind, if we believe that God did not suffer his Holy One to see corruption, but raised him from the dead. If we believe that Christ rose from the dead and ascended into heaven and is seated right now at the right hand of God, we can get along on the rest. Amen. Are you hearing me tonight? Amen. 
And, and somebody might say, why are you rehearsing this? Because Satan has got about 6,000 years experience messing people up. Recently, it wasn't recent really, maybe about a year back, the Lord spoke to me in, about a situation that had happened in our lives about 30 years ago. And so I took action. Because when the Lord speaks to me about something, that's it, I take action. And I took action, and I wrote this brother a nice letter, and he wrote a nice letter back, and we got reconnected. But I was telling Sue just the other day, it is amazing how adept Satan is at sending people into our lives to not just get us sideways with the person Satan sent, but to get us sideways with some other brother. And that's what happened 30 years back. It was a, this, it was a rascal, and a man who worked for me didn't quite have the maturity or the understanding or the years of experience to handle it quite correctly, and it drove a wedge between us. It was unnecessary, but we were both young. Amen. We need to stop doing that. We need to grow up. We need to get mature. We need to understand that uh, if, if I know somebody's my brother in the Lord and Johnny come lately comes along and he wants to drive a wedge, we should be mature enough to understand this is, this is the work of Satan because he divides. Jesus said they will know us by our love. And you know, a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times when I'm speaking, the Lord's speaking to me. And you could take this the wrong way. I see new faces here tonight, probably Christmas time guests. But the Lord is saying to me, reminding me of something he, he spoke to me about a year back, but then even several times in that year, I could have been a blessing to that man. But because we were not walking together as brothers, I didn't have the opportunity. I went forwards, and he went backwards. And it's a shame, because the devil got in there, and that's what he does. I want you to understand it. The devil gets in there, and you know what he does? He does not bring people together. Well, he might bring you together with somebody at the honky-tonk, but that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> he divides people. He divides brothers. He divides brothers. He's talking to some of you right now, trying to get you to leave right now because I'm talking about walking in love. Well, I don't want to hear that. That's what he does. And he'll march you right out of the anointing of God and he'll march you right out of the blessing of the Lord and you'll never have what you could have had in life. Do you see it? A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. He didn't say, I highly recommend you love one another. You have natural family, and you love them even when their behavior is terrible. Now, you might love them from a distance, but you love them. But this is family. This is the body of Christ. 
and we are to love one another. He didn't say it was highly recommended. He said, you must love one another. Now, notice this isn't a New Testament suggestion. It is the command of the New Testament. The law of love <clears throat> is the New Testament commandment. Jesus stated it this way in Luke 6.31, Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. How many of you all like to be ripped off? Let me see your hand. If you like being ripped off. How many of you like being used? Let me see your hand. If you like being used. How many of you like being taken advantage of financially? Let me see your hand. If you like being taken advantage Sister, that's not the time to raise your hand. You like being, you like being taken of advantage of financially. No. So if you don't like when people do that to you, don't do that to people. And not just in the body of Christ. Don't be going out here, you know, doing that to people that are not in the body of Christ. And if you do, don't tell them you know me. Because we represent our Lord and Savior. Now, I'm not, talking, I'm not saying you can't make a living. I'm just saying you can't lie to people to make a living. I'm not saying you can't make a living. I'm just saying you can't rip people off to make a living. Now, walking in love is a decision, and walking in love is effort. And anybody who tells me that walking in love is effortless, I'm going to call you forward to repent for lying. Because sometimes it takes a lot of effort to walk in love. It takes daily spiritual work to walk in love. If you'll study Mark 11, James 3, James 5, and other passages, you will conclude that faith simply will not work where there is unforgiveness, grudge-bearing, keeping records of wrongs, or tearing your neighbor to pieces with your tongue. Faith won't work. It will not work in that environment. And faith simply will not work when a believer is taking advantage of his brothers and sisters in the Lord. Now compare what I just said to what we read about the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 27 to 31. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment or damnation on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sickly and a number of you have fallen asleep or died. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. So walking in love toward our brothers and sisters in Christ isn't just a New Testament suggestion. It is the commandment of the New Testament. Or we could say it this way, walking in love toward our brothers and sisters in Christ is the law of the New Testament. The law of the New Testament is the law of love. Galatians 5.14 says, the entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. So this New Testament commandment is to love one another. Romans 13, 8, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another, for he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and what other, 
whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Say it out loud. Love, love. is the fulfillment, is the fulfillment of, the law. of the law. And there it is. You know, if you really want to know how we're supposed to live, just look at the world and do the opposite. Because it doesn't matter what they're calling it. It's all division, 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 strife, strife, strife. And, and that's whatever they're doing, we ought to be doing the opposite. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Say it out loud. Love, love. walking in love, walking is, love. The is the fulfillment of the law. Of the law. Say it again. Love, love. walking in love, walking is the fulfillment of the law. Of course, there are people who will abuse this. They will lie to you, cheat, and steal from you, then demand that you walk in love. So simply avoid such people. You know, just say, just wave when you, you know, you see them. God bless you. Amen. You don't know what to say? I've got people in my life right now, I don't know what to say. So I just say, God bless you. Amen. And notice the language of the Apostle Paul, Romans 13, 10. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Well, Pastor, how do I walk in love? Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So walking in love prohibits me from doing harm to or taking advantage of my neighbor. Let me repeat that. Walking in love prohibits me from doing harm to or taking advantage of my neighbor. Say it out loud. Walking in love prohibits me from doing harm to or taking advantage of my neighbor. Say it again. Walking in love prohibits me from doing harm to or taking advantage of my neighbor. So I think we would all do well to commit ourselves to walking in greater kindness in 2022. I think we would all do well to walk in greater graciousness in 2022, for to do so would be to imitate our Father God. I find myself consumed with these thoughts now. You know, the Lord warned me about time, February 3rd and 4th, 2015, and my sense of alarm has grown steadily. But something else inside of me that has grown steadily is a desire to be a blessing. And I've, I've discovered something that maybe I didn't really understand or know when I was a young man, and that is whatever I do to be a blessing, God will make it up to me. I don't, I don't know that I understood that or saw that when I was a young man. And, and I have some regrets, I got to tell you. You got to take action where you are because there are people that I would like to be a blessing to, but I, I let some time go by, and I know by the Spirit of God they won't receive it because I'm too far ahead of them. It's a tough deal. I want to be a blessing. I can, I can see them in my mind's eye while I'm speaking. Their faces pass through. But it's tough. 
Because you see, when you're really quite a distance ahead of folks, they perceive it as condescending. When really all I want to do is be a blessing. Amen. Because I know some things. I could share that. You know, I tried to help somebody this year on money. And <laughs> yeah, it's just interesting. Try, tried to help a minister a little bit on money. Tried to help a minister a little bit on receiving offerings. You know, there's all kinds of reasons people won't hear you. You're younger than them or you're too far ahead of them. There's all kinds of reasons. Don't be like that. Don't let your prejudices get in the way of you coming across understanding and implementing valuable information. Amen? Amen. But I want to be a blessing. Amen? Romans 13, 10, love does no harm to its neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And because there are so many abusive people out here, one of the most effective tools I've ever found of forcing myself to walk in love is simply to limit my exposure to toxic people. I just limit my exposure to toxic people. I just limit my exposure to toxic people. And it's a challenge. I'll be honest. There's nothing I love more than standing out there in that fellowship atrium and greeting people. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. These are my brothers and my sisters in the Lord. But Satan, you know, every once in a while, man, he just sends a timber rattler. <laughs> it's a challenge. Amen. Amen. And... Uh, so I'm trying to thread the needle myself because I love my brothers and my sisters in the Lord. I love the people of God. You are my family. Amen. I got family, and I mean, they just creep me the heck out. <laughs> I'm talking about natural family. But I can stand and talk to my brothers and my sisters in the Lord and be at ease and be at comfort. Amen. There's nothing like it. Amen? Amen? I got family, and, uh, you know, they're not happy about me being blessed. But my actual genuine brothers and sisters in the Lord, they see it's the Lord. They're cool with it. Amen. Do you understand? In fact, they want, they want some of what's on me to rub off on them. Amen. Amen. Amen? But natural family, not so much. So if I limit my exposure to toxic people and only fellowship with non-abusive people, I find I don't have much trouble at all walking in love. But I still have to walk in love even when I have those challenges. You know? You don't have to go talk to them a half hour. Just wave. God bless. <laughs> Amen? So love your neighbor and discipline yourself to walk in love toward your brothers and sisters in Christ. And while I'm speaking, the Lord is saying something else to me. Whether your mother and father taught you this or not, you make your word come to pass. If you do not make your word come to pass, you are not walking in love. Somebody might say it's my generation, but I think it's more than that. I think it's, school, I think it's true. I, I, 
I heard Kenneth Hagin teach this, and I heard Fred Price teach this. A man is no better than his word. And a man is his word. So moving forward, okay, you might have been the biggest liar in Tarrant County this year, but moving forward, make your word your bond. Amen? And discipline yourself to do no harm. Take advantage of no one. Take advantage of no brother or sister in Christ. We love to quote Mark 11, 22 to 24, but why don't we pay attention to verse 25? The fact is, verses 22 to 24 in Mark 11 will not work unless we are doing verse 25. Mark eleven twenty five is the only hindrance to faith ever mentioned by the Lord Jesus Christ. So don't you think that if the Lord Jesus Christ only mentioned one hindrance to faith, we ought to pay double attention. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things shall every desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. And when ye stand praying, forgive. If ye have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. And that's another reason to not think you're the faith police. You know, run around church and keeping records of wrongs. The church that Sue and I served on, a staff, while I was working on my Master of Divinity degree over here at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, I'd never been around that. And I knew something was wrong, but I, I was not old enough or mature enough or versed in the word enough to know what was wrong with it. But I knew something was wrong. Every time the ministers got together or the leadership of the church got together, they, they sat around and they listed all of the failures of the people who had been divorced, who had been remarried, who had, who had been a drunk, who this, who, who had been bankrupt, all of it. And, and I wasn't old enough. I wasn't mature enough. I didn't know enough from the word at that point in my life to identify exactly what was wrong with it. But I knew something was wrong with it. I mean, every time we were around that, it was like my, my flesh was crawling on the inside. You know what that is? Keeping records of wrongs. And here's, an, here's another time to not raise your hand. How many of you want the Lord... How many of you want the Lord to keep a record of all of your wrongs? We want the Lord to forgive us. Well, if we want the Lord to forgive us, we better walk in forgiveness toward others. Now, that doesn't mean you go back for a second helping. You know, if they robbed you or whatever it is. But again, you can say, God bless you and forgive them and let it go. How do you know, Pastor Gene, how do I know if I let it go? If you rehearse it, you didn't let it go. So just don't rehearse it. The Bible says about the Lord that he separates us as far as the east is from the west. That's a long way. 
And the Bible says that he takes our sins and he casts them in the depths of the sea to never be remembered again. Never be remembered again. So in 2022, don't go around rehearsing what people did to you. If you want more of your prayers answered in 2022, commit now to do a better job walking in love in 2022 and find ways to be a blessing. Amen. If you think about the, the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's all he did. He just went about healing the sick and casting out devils and setting the oppressed free. He was a blessing. Somebody might say, Pastor, I can't do that. I have to make a living. Well, you're not making a living 24 hours a day. You can find ways to be a blessing. Hallelujah. And it's been my experience that everything I give into the gospel, he multiplies 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, and everything I expend being a blessing, he replaces. He has not let me go backwards at all. Brethren, why don't you go ahead and wait on us with the elements? And while they're waiting on us with the elements, I'm going to read from Matthew 26, 26 to 29. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And so, on an evening like this, we remember the Lord. We remember what he did for us. Our application tonight is that we should live as he lived, that is walking in love. Think about Jesus on the cross. Think about Jesus on the whipping post. What did Jesus say? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And somebody might think, well, that's super gracious, but think about it. If they had known who he was, I mean, if they had known that they were whipping the actual son of God, well, they wouldn't have done it. And a lot of times when people do us wrong, they don't know what they're doing. If they understood what they were doing, they wouldn't do it. Amen. And so we need to be gracious. and We need to be forgiving. We need to keep no record of wrongs. Hallelujah. And then think about this. He had this time together with his apostles on the night he was betrayed. Amazing. You know, I'm working on being kind and I'm working on being gracious and I'm working on all of that. But frankly, I don't know that I would sit and have dinner with somebody I knew was going to hand me over to be murdered. But Jesus was that full of compassion and he was that full of kindness and he was that full of grace. And we need to also understand this. Darkness is descending on the earth. And the light and liberty of the gospel and the light and liberty of freedom is slipping away. And a lot of people are going to be doing things from this point forward and they are going to not have any idea what they're doing because they're coming under the influences of evil spirits and demons. Amen. 
I think even a lot of religious leaders have no idea what they are doing. They're going with the flow. They're making people happy. They're afraid of the people. I think they have no idea that they have chosen an eternal destination that they will not enjoy later on. And in winning people to the Lord, in being a witness, we need to be kind and we need to be gracious. We need to understand that when we're dealing with the lost, we represent Jesus. Amen. Amen. And uh, not behave and not talk in a way that would embarrass him if he were standing there, which he is. Amen. Amen. So you gentlemen, are you finished? You complete? All right. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. So, Father God, we thank you for this little portion of unleavened bread. And for us this evening, it is a symbol and a type of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, which was broken for us. And Father God, we intend to not drink judgment and damnation upon ourselves. So we're going to take a moment, Father, and we're going to give everyone here a moment to stop. And if they need to confess something and ask your forgiveness, Father God, we're going to give them a moment to do that. And if they need to commit to you to make something right, then we're going to give them a moment to do that. Let me say a word about that. Don't go out of here and document your sins. Don't do it. You know, don't don't write a letter saying, well, you know, back in 1962, I robbed that bank and nobody ever found out. Don't do it. Uh, But if it's a matter between you and a brother or a sister, you can ask the Lord to forgive you tonight and then you can... Take the next opportunity when you come across them to make it right and to ask their forgiveness. And also, you have to understand this, that a lot of times when you ask someone's forgiveness, you're you're trying to do the right thing in the Bible thing. You don't always get the right in the Bible response. So if I've learned something about all this, it's this. You do the right thing then you leave the results with God. Amen? Amen. You getting the response you want is not anywhere near as important as you doing the right thing. Because by their response, they're right or wrong with God. That's a whole different issue from you doing what is right with the Lord. So let's take a moment, bow our heads, and if you have anything to confess, you're not going to confess anything to me. Confess it to the Lord and ask his forgiveness before we proceed. Father God, we thank you for this unleavened bread of which we are about to partake. It is a symbol of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, which was broken for us. And I, I'm, so, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful, Father God. You, 
Jesus wasn't one of these modern beta males. There's no way one of these modern beta males could have endured the cat of nine tails on his back. I thank you, Father God. He was, Jesus was strong, and he was manly, and he took that horrible beating for us. His body was broken for us, and we are grateful, and we thank you. As we partake of this bread, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Let us eat together. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let me say another thing the Lord's prompting me about. The word commune actually means same cup. They, they didn't have these cute little cups. You understand? They, they had a chalice they passed around. Now let me ask you a question. If the Lord Jesus Christ were here tonight and, and he said, Pastor, let's just do this old school, I mean, would, would he be wearing a hazmat suit? Would he be wearing a mask? Would, would, he, would he be full of fear? No. no. You see how modern man <laughs> thinks he is so advanced? But oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. But anyway... Thank God we got these little cups, so we're good. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'm just pointing out, Jesus was not the way the media portrays him. He took a horrible beating, and he wasn't afraid of some virus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, Father, we thank you for this juice. It is a symbol of the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. They shed his blood on that whipping post. They shed his blood when they put that crown of thorns on his head. And they shed his blood and his water when they thrust that spear into his side. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Jesus took the beating and he took the crucifixion, which we all so richly deserve. We are grateful and we give you thanks in Jesus' holy name. Shall we drink together? Amen. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.